0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all or situations.
1: Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. All right. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Left reverse. Right. Slow the out. No, kill it. Kill it. Kill the owner.
0: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. I said reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Well, we're f- dock now.
2: Welcome to the NBA front office show. I'm your host, Keith. and i'm joined by my co-host pete toll this morning pete how are you doing
1: oh doing great ready to talk some brooklyn nets
2: and unfortunately our producer Connor had to drop off he's got some stuff going on he's getting ready to go out of the country for a while so con is uh is headed out to to get uh moving in that direction but uh we are back to continue our off season review series so far in the books we've already got the atlanta hawks boston celtics and chicago bulls are done and now we're going to continue moving along to the brooklyn nets uh who had kind of an interesting off season they did did a lot of stuff a lot of uh moving pieces and parts for the Nets that uh, you'll know, put them in a more interesting place than I think they've probably been in in the last couple of years with that. So I should remind you, we are part of the Almighty Ballard Network. Make sure you check out and see. We've got a lot of really cool podcasts across the network covering all ranges of teams and topics and styles of, of podcasts. But what you come here for, front office, is for uh, uh, roster breakdowns and transaction breakdowns. And that's what we're going to do with the Nets. Just to put this out there for the world we're recording this on sunday morning july 29th so this is uh through reported transactions and official transactions all the way to that point anything kind of after that um yeah we will talk about it in a future episode but we won't catch it today if you're listening to this down the line uh with it so pete you ready to go and talk some brooklyn nets offseason all right, let's do it. So with the Nets, they uh bringing in uh, qu- quite a bunch of guys. So Ed Davis signed as a free agent. Jared Dudley via trade. Kenneth Fareed via trade. Trevion Graham, free agent. Rodions Skorix and John Musa at the NBA draft. Shabazz Napier, a free agent addition. And then they did trade for Dwight Howard, who has since been bought out and waived. Uh, so that kind of covers you off on the guys the Nets brought in. New, subtractions, Quincy Ac still out there as a free agent. Dante Cunningham assigned with the San Antonio Spurs. Two-way player Milton Doyle is a free agent. Jeremy Lin was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. Timofey Mozgov was traded in that Howard deal. Jahlil Okafor was... Uh, renounced is still a free agent out there Nick Stauskas assigned with the Portland Trailblazers James Webb the third the other two-way player still out there as a free agent Isaiah Whitehead was traded in the salary uh dump deal with the Denver Nuggets where they uh, got Kenneth Fareed and Darrell Arthur and speaking of Arthur he was acquired from the Nuggets and then traded again for Jared Dudley so so uh A little bit of a head spinning uh set of transactions there for the nets but that's what they did so then transaction wise for the nets at the draft they they had a first round pick because they they got back in there uh this year despite their their last of their picks going to boston then ultimately on to philadelphia uh that they owed there but they did um you know, acquire a pick and get in there. And they picked up uh John and Musa in the first round, Rodion's Corks in the second round. Both of those players coming over from Europe and both have been signed. We're going to talk about them a little bit later in the show. And then Hamadou Diallo was another guy. They drafted him. He was ultimately traded in the Dwight Howard trade that was subsequently traded from there to the um, Oklahoma city thunder from the, from the Charlotte Hornets. So that closed out the draft and then mentioning that Howard trade, Kind of a dual salary dump. It was it was an interesting one on the way it broke. But Howard went off to uh, to Charlotte and Timofey Mozgov. Um, excuse me, Timofey Mozgov went off to Charlotte along with a 2021 Brooklyn second rounder for Howard, who the Nets really had no intention of keeping in immediately away. So Pete, thoughts on the Nets getting off the extra year of Mozgov to eat a little more money for Howard this year?
1: I actually like that move because Mozgov, you know, not going to play behind Jared Allen, um, and with Dwight, you knew they weren't going to keep him. Um, even though it was funny because way back, as you know, being you know kind of a or, you know living in Orlando, when Dwight joked and everybody thought that the the Brooklyn deal was going to happen, and then <laughs> yeah. he makes it to Brooklyn, and they don't keep him. So it's just kind kind of ironic how that worked out.
2: Right yeah I know it's kind of funny it was like oh man he's finally going to Brooklyn like six years later and uh, right yeah and then he's there for two days and waved um yeah I like it you know get off that that money for Moscow for next year when they you know have full plans on when you look at the way they structured everything this summer they have plans on getting back out there and be free agent players next year so I really like that one um yeah they eat the money for for Howard this year but It's there, and then they've got enough extra picks coming their way that getting rid of a second rounder a couple years from now is no big deal um, to get off that Mozgov money. So I'm with you. That's a good move. The next one was the uh, salary uh, dump trade from the Nuggets to the Nets. So Nets, again, ate some more uh, bad salary. They sent out Isaiah Whitehead, and they acquired Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Fareed uh, from the Nuggets for a protected 2019 Denver first-round pick. So uh, just to kind of clear up what that is, it is – the Nets get it if it's 13 to 30. The Nuggets keep it if it's 1 through 12. And that's protected for several years uh, with those same protections all the way until um, 2024 is the last year with those protections. Then it'll turn into two second rounders in 2024 and 2025. But I know this isn't the Nuggets section, but I'm guessing we both think they're going to be you know, a playoff team or pretty close. So this should be the... Uh, the year that the nets get that so they're gonna get another you know mid to late first round pick uh out of that which is yep that that's pretty good considering all they had to do was eat eat a uh, little bit of salary for the uh for the guys coming in in arthur and Freed, and then they didn't even keep Darrell arthur they moved moved on from him as well so um and, and with whitehead league, wasn't
1: going to play anyway
2: no, yeah, Whitehead, yeah, they, he's had his shots in Brooklyn, so he was headed out. And then Fareed, this he's an expiring contract, so thirteen point right. seven million this year, and then you know nothing there. So so good work by them. They also uh, got in that trade. They got a twenty twenty Denver second round pick in that trade, which is you know kind of replaces the one they sent out uh, in the Mozgov Howard swap we'll talk a little bit more about the uh the bad salary swaps there and and what that means when we get into our questions for the nets uh, uh there are 10 questions about the Nets summer as we go so then then another trade so four trades this summer for the nets uh this trade was jeremy lynn uh sent to the atlanta hawks along with 2023 second round swap rights atlanta can switch if they get the uh worst pick they they have the right to switch with the nets and then a 2025 brooklyn second and they got back the draft rights to isaiah Cordner. And uh, 2020 Portland second. So just a lot of stuff moving around there. And and Jeremy Lin headed out um, in in that trade. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Jeremy Lin when we get into our questions as well. And hey, Pete, then they actually added a player that they wanted, (laughs) which is kind of nice. Shabazz Napier uh, signed as the uh, kind of the takeover as that um, third point guard role. And in a way, he's going to take kind of what Lin's role might have been on this team. So what do you think about Shabazz Napier to the Nets?
1: It's interesting because he's a good catch and shoot player, and he can play in the pick and roll as a facilitator. Um, I think he'll get minutes just because he adds that you know kind of punch scoring the ball, and a, and he's used to the limited minute role kind of playing behind Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum last year in Portland, and it gives them a different look than Spencer Dinwiddie, um, and then it allows them to kind of keep um, D'Angelo Russell kind of as that that two guard mixed in as a point guard not really having to focus on facilitating as much so um i I think napier fits in well there i don't think that he's gonna basically win the backup role but i think based on the lineups that kenny atkinson likes to throw out all different kind of combinations i think he'll see a role um you know more than maybe some people question when the signing first happened
2: yeah you know and i think he really proved himself in portland Mm -hmm. um he he had kind of he looked like he might've been one of those guys who is, you know, in danger of being out of the league and mm-hmm. heading overseas maybe to rebuild value and the like, but, but he did a nice job in Portland, kind of in that three guard trio with McCollum and Lillard. I like what you said too. He's not always a guy. He doesn't always need the ball, um, despite being a point guard. So, and I think think with what the nets are setting up to do with guys like Karis Levert, as well as Dinwiddie and Russell, um, Guys who handle the ball more, I, I think that's kind of good for for Napier. He can, you know, kind of play his role and without having to be, you know, ball dominant guy. He fits in really well with these other pieces. So. Right. So I like that one. Uh, And then Darrell Arthur, we mentioned it before. Uh, The Nets shipped him off to the Phoenix Suns, and they took in Jared Dudley in a 2021 Phoenix second rounder. There was a lot of talk that they ate the extra couple million on Dudley's deal that he's making over Arthur and that they would waive him, but that's not the case. Sounds like they're going to keep him. Uh, Dudley's a good veteran guy. You always hear that about this guy. He's somebody teams love having in their locker room around their young players and, you know, I think there's a chance he might actually play for this team a little bit when you're looking at how the roster is is shaping up assuming, you know, that he's healthy and ready to go. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think he'll get, you know, more minutes and that's what he was looking for. He wanted to go somewhere where he'll be able to actually play. Um, I don't know how many people listening here actually listen to the Wojpod. Um, and he actually he did uh, the Wojpod I believe it was a week ago and talked about that specifically that he didn't really want to be the guy where if he's sitting for too long, two, three years at a time, doesn't really play, then you forget about him. And then they're in, you know, next thing you know, they're either having to retire or shipped off to Europe and or China and playing there. So he wanted to keep a consistent role there. And his job here is obviously still be that mentor uh, to the young guys, specifically Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, um, you know, be a voice in their ear, but then also knock down three-pointers and play good defense. Um, yeah, you know so.
2: I- I think Dudley he's had a really kind of an interesting career path. He was drafted by the by the Bobcats. <laughs> that's you mm-hmm. know how kind of how long ago it was. They were still the Bobcats and he was a uh, thought to be a guard then, right? He right. was a big two guard. Then he went to the Suns and you know kind of did the seven seconds or less group there. And you know, really then because they played small across the board, that's when he started playing more forward. And now he's really transitioned into he's kind of that more of a bench stretch four kind of guy now, you know, get, still get that good bulk where he can defend inside and definitely hit those three-pointers and that's kind of something this group was missing. They didn't have a have a uh quote-unquote big. I'm, I'm using quote-unquote cuz he's not exactly a big, but um, you know, a guy who could forward who could come off the bench and, you know, hit shots from the outside and defend, you know, fours um credibly. So I think, you know, I think there's a chance Dudley is going to play. For this team, and I think, you know, just when you start to look at it uh, up and down the roster, it's, you know, he kind of fits there, you know, pretty well, so. So we'll you know remains to be seen exactly what happens with him, but uh, but that would be my guess. Then as we go, it looks like uh next on the list was Ed Davis signed, you know, speaking of another Trailblazer coming over. So then the Nets sort have of this thing for Trailblazers, huh? I know, crab, I see that and, crab yeah. and then, yeah, Napier and <laughs> Davis. Yeah, that one hadn't uh, connected for me until just just this second. But you know, Davis comes in, he's gonna be the backup four or five. Guy, probably more of a five than a four with the way they play but i think good veteran behind jared allen you know can really push him help him prepare the right way and do do some good things brings a defensive presence kind of a you know rugged guy who can you know bang bodies inside rebound hit the glass so i really like ed davis for this team you think he plays a big role for them this year
1: absolutely he's a hustle rebounder guy blocking alter shots doesn't command the ball on offense perfect fit because he'll be able to push jared allen Um, to get that much more and he's a banger so you know down low with his athleticism i think that it'll fit perfectly um and that's kind of what they have i think on this team they have guys like Fareed that hustle davis that hustles you know hollis jefferson's able you know he, he we see what he turned into um playing really well in the stretch four role last year so um you know are not stretched for in the kind of in the de facto yep. power forward role as I don't really consider Hollis Jefferson a stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um,
2: it's a it's a stretch that he's going to stretch the floor. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, but I think that just that athleticism and and long um, you know kind of player I think that's really what what the Nets wanted to go for.
2: Yeah, you know for a couple years now as the Nets have been kind of under Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson trying to turn this thing around, it has been People have been very respectful of how hard they play all the time, and they play kind of a fun style. They get up and down the floor, shoot a lot of three pointers. And I think again now what it is is I think they're still going to be that team, but with a little bit better talent, a little bit more established established NBA guys, which I think is going to be big. I I think this is the kind of team they're just going to be a pain in the ass to play against. You know, night in and night out, they're just going to make it tough for you to to get much done against them, so I think that'll be really, uh, you know, a lot a lot of fun. And I think this is the kind of team too where you you know, you mentioned all the guys that they have that hustle and get after it. That's gonna be the kind of team fans really get behind right is you know and that then that in turn ends up giving you a lift and you know get you you know moving forward and in that direction so i think that's you know going to be really you know kind of good for the nets to see you know where it all goes you know from here and davis signed via the room exception uh for a one-year contract with with the nets this year so you know again even even if it for whatever reason doesn't work out at all it was a one-year deal and nothing lost Uh, joe harris re-signed with the nets he is a guy that kind of again it's um if you go back a couple episodes we talked about the the jewel of the process in philly kind of being robert covington and just kind of going after guys and try them out and you'll eventually hit on one who works well that's what joe harris is for the nets he's a guy that they kind of brought off the scrap heap he was you know probably didn't have much of a you know, roll he had been salary dumped by Cleveland when they were trying to lower their tax bill and then Orlando just waived him and you know Brooklyn brings him in and, and he is what he is. He's a quality shooter on the wing. Really good size for the wing. He's about six foot seven or so and could do uh you know do do some things um out there you know handle the ball a little bit you know smart player and they re-signed him for you know a a 16 million dollar year over over two years you know i haven't quite seen the final details whether it's eight million flat or a little less or however it works out but it's a you know a good good group you know here for for these guys and you know i think this is um you know really important that they are in a uh your position here with the nets that they start retaining some of these guys that they develop you like harris coming back to brooklyn pete
1: yeah absolutely he fills that three-point shooter role i think i want to see well i know that i want to see him improve putting the ball on the floor a little bit more than just settling for the three-point shot make a, a leap on defense and what people don't realize is when joe harris was in cleveland he was hurt so He never really got a strong look because I think they wanted to go, obviously, more veteran when, you know, obviously getting LeBron James and and all of that, you know, kind of played a big big role there. But um, situational sub off the bench can play both wing spots, I think, you know, fits perfect in, in the Kenny Atkinson redemption portfolio, so to speak
2: yeah absolutely it's yeah that's it's what it's been about it's about them rebuilding the franchise and rebuilding some guys along the way it's going to be a really good and then another guy that they're kind of taking a flyer on it hasn't been signed just yet but it's been agreed to Trevion Graham who this guy's a really interesting player he's about 6'5" six, 6'6" six, six or so he's been in the league a few years played with the Hornets last year they really liked him he's you know just really gets after guys defensively on the wing runs the floor doesn't shoot it great doesn't handle it great but you know kind of almost like a more a little bit smaller of a version of Rondé Hollis Jefferson in a way for for them so they're bringing him in on a reportedly two-year minimum contract which would you know makes a lot of sense for the nets to to bring in a guy like graham who i think can really help you know them as a defensive player to you know keep things moving forward when they're ready to get into it i think you know just again to go back to something you said before pete he really fits that mold of just a guy who hustles and gets after it exactly yeah. So, all right. So now those are the transactions for the Nets. What we'll do now is we're going to get into some questions and talk about what to expect with this team going forward this season. I think this is where it gets really interesting because they did some stuff that sets them up for the future, but they've got a lot of questions about that future as well, which we're going to start to get some answers to here. But before we get into those questions, we're going to stop so you can hear from our sponsors. Again, this is the NBA front office show. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network.
3: This podcast is brought to you by ADT. When it comes to something as important as your family safety, you need real protection with ADT. What does real protection mean for you? Well, real protection means you can get all of the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring from the most trusted name in home security. You'll get a team of professionals designing and installing a secure smart home just for you, including 18,000 employees safeguarding you and your family, along with a connection to first responders. Your secure smart home includes everything from video doorbells and indoor and outdoor cameras to smart locks and lights controlled from the ADT Go app or the sound of your voice. You can also get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Everything is custom designed to fit your home, all from the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can even get safety on the go in the car or when the kids are at school with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Ready to learn more? Visit ADT.com podcast to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.
2: Welcome back to the NBA Front Off Show. I am your host Keith Smith. I am joined by my co-host Pete Toll. We are part of the Almighty Ballard Network, and we are talking about the Brooklyn Nets off season. The Nets are, you know, they're pushing this thing forward. They're they're starting to add, uh, you know, some real NBA talent. Not as much uh, going out there searching, you know, for players that maybe they can hit on, and they started to add guys in uh, this summer as they they are, you know, they're they're getting it done there in Brooklyn. I am um, you know, this is maybe stepping on some answers here a little bit, but I really like everything they've done this is as good as you can rebuild a squad without having first round picks as i've you know could imagine ever seeing a team pull off so you know they're doing pretty good so pete questions we'll start it off with our standard question is what do you think the Nets starting five is on opening night assuming everyone is healthy and ready to go
1: um i go with with jared allen at center hollis jefferson at power forward Damari carroll at small forward I've got Alan Crabb, I think, ends up winning the shooting guard spot, and then they put D'Angelo Russell um, at point guard. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way through the season, um, and I know we'll talk about Russell in, in just a little bit, but um, that's where my question mark, whether he fits as a one or a two.
2: Yeah, and that's that's. I have the same thing for you. I have uh, Russell, and I think where it really gets interesting for these guys, I think Alan's a lock to start at the five. And I think Hollis Jefferson's a lock to start at the four. And then I think Crab's a lock to start, whether that's at the two or the three. You know, we'll see. And then, you know, then it kind of becomes the interesting, you know, kind of battle royal between Crab, Russell, Dinwiddie, Carroll, Harris, Levert you know there's all these guys so that's gonna be you know curious but I'm with you I'm going with that same same group there and I in and, and I'm with you as well as I don't know that it sticks that way you know all season long but what's kind of fun about this team now is when you look at kind of their depth chart they're legit 10 11 12 NBA guys versus you know the last few years it's kind of like well they get Five, six NBA guys, and then some. We'll see. Uh, you know, so that's kind of, you know, going to be nice to to look. It's going to be really nice for Kenny Atkinson, right? You know, guys, guy rolls an ankle, and it's like, all right, well, I'm not turning to some guy who should be playing in the G League or overseas. I'm actually turning to another quality NBA player, which is, you know, good. That's a sign of they're they're moving this thing forward. So, all right, so we're pretty much in agreement there. So let's on the next one. Should they have kept Jeremy Lynn instead of trading him off to the Hawks?
1: I don't think so because I feel like with Lynn coming off the injury, the emergence of Spencer Dinwiddie, at this point with D'Angelo Russell, you have to see what you have. It's either you know, he emerges into a star for the team that you can carry forward or he's somebody that you may look to, to trade at the deadline. So with Jeremy Lynn there, it was just too crowded in the backcourt. And then you've got Karis LeBert that can you know, kind of handle the ball. Um, as well so no real need for Jeremy Lin in my opinion
2: yeah I'm with you it's it's one of those things where it that almost becomes too many guys who need to play and I think they did a good job replacing him with Napier who you know he's probably a little more able to float in and out of the rotation uh, I, I think Lin would have needed to play and you know I think you're gonna you're gonna 48 minutes of point guard minutes are coming from Russell and Dinwiddie for the most part. And then you mentioned LaVar can do some ball handling Napiers in there as well. So yeah, it's uh, a, that's the same direction I I go. There is, you know, it's, and I like Jeremy Lynn and I think, think he'll do a nice job for the Hawks. We, we mentioned that on the Hawks show kind of being that good mentor for Trey young, but he did that already in Brooklyn and now it's time for him to move on and do, do somewhere else. So, so they moved out the salary and Lynn, but then they ate a lot of salary this summer from Dwight Howard, from Kenneth Freed, Darrell Arthur, kind of which they turned into Jared Dudley, who we already talked. We think Dudley's actually going to play. But Howard and freed was it the right move for them to eat so much salary to get, you know, a couple picks back and also on the flip side get off of Timothy Moskov? Is that you know, a good move or would you rather have seen them kind of keep it clear and then use that to go sign a player?
1: No, I think they they went the route of, of getting the guy they wanted in, Alan Crabb. They have Karis LeVert, hopefully healthy. You've got D'Angelo Russell. So they have some good pieces to put together. So I don't necessarily think you know holding on to that and then let's jump out and let's make a rash signing would have made all that big of a difference. Let the young guys play. You've got some veterans sprinkled in there now. So I don't really worry about necessarily the, the money – that they're taking on because two years from now, hopefully they're in the middle of the pack upper echelon. If, if it's everything works out right um, for them developmental wise with some of the young guys that they have um, in the Eastern conference, because the East, you know, is pretty much wide open every year. You know, you always have, um, you know, a surprise team that kind of jumps in there. So,
2: yeah, you know, and I, and, and I think it's, we talked about this on the bulls episode of the bulls having a ton of money, left over and then it was either use it to sign Jabari Parker or sit on it to eat a bad salary and the Nets chose to use it to eat a bad salary and that's that's you know kind of my way of saying there's not one right way to do this thing you know you there everybody's in different points of where they're at so I, I like it you know personally that what they did and I'm not I'm not totally sold that Kenneth Reed can't still play you know, I I just feel like there's something still in there and maybe, you know, they get a little something out of him or maybe they can flip him in another deal down the line later or you know something like that. But if nothing else, they've now they've got an extra first round pick coming their way. They replaced the second, they got off that other of year from Mozgov. So, you know, I think it's the right right move. So, all right, next this is kind of the question that that I'm most excited about. For this team is both of these guys are going to be free agents at the end of the year and both have proven to be pretty good or teams or you believe they're both going to be pretty good. Both are point guards. Both are bigger point guards. Well, at least we know Dinwiddie's a point guard. We think Russell's a point guard. Probably. I don't know. Maybe you feel different. You'll tell me when I actually ask the question and get around to it. If you got, I'm going to make you pick one. You can only pick one going forward. Cause you're going to give them the, the big contract this summer, this coming summer, D'Angelo Russell or Spencer Dinwiddie
1: uh D'Angelo Russell just too much upside um for me to, to pass up I like Spencer Dinwiddie um but Russell is 22 currently you know six five. so if it doesn't work with his lead guard you know decision making that's the biggest key for me with him is what can he do in the pick and roll as far as decision making is he going to be able to get that ball to Jared Allen on the roll um if you know, he needs to, can he step back and consistently shoot the three ball um, and know when to pass versus to take over games? If he struggles at the point guard spot, you could always shift him to two guard, see what you have there. Say, you know, the first half of the year, you try him at point guard, it doesn't work. Second half of the year, um, you know, two guard and you move up Alan Crabb, you know, to play the three, eventually moving Damari Carroll onward to somewhere else. I think that could be an option. But overall, I think that D'Angelo Russell's you know overall ability scoring and then the playmaking will be there. Um, I don't think it will ever improve the foot speed, um, but you know I, I've seen worse players at, at the point guard spot. So,
2: yeah, I, I'm I'm this one's tough, and this is why I wanted to ask because I wanted to have the conversation. Is you know you're right, Russell. Russell's three full years younger than Dinwiddie, so that's you know, pretty big, despite the fact that he's only been in the league one last year. Um, You know, so that is, that's, that's obviously got a factor in your decision. I think this is a huge year for him, finding out what he is, you know, is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? Can he, you know, develop enough as a scorer that you can rely on him to do that on a regular basis without worrying about, you know, needing somebody else to step in and do it? Uh, so I think that's, you know, another thing you got to look at. The one thing I always kind of wonder with, with Spencer Dinwiddie, he's, his kind of career trajectory all the way down to a knee injury reminds me a lot of Sean Livingston, where he is, yeah, he's, a, he's like that big kind of guy. He's a point guard, but maybe as he ages, he's less a point guard and becomes more of a wing, um, but he's kind of more of a Different kind of guy, where he's more still of a inside mid-range scorer type than a you know real shooter, but he's you know a good player, man. You know, and that's that's I, I think that's a kind of interesting parallel there. Including they both you know stop over in Brooklyn, you know to really kind of build up their value. So it's it's gonna be interesting. I would probably lean it uh, Russell slightly just because of the age thing, the three year differences. You know that's a lot in the NBA. That's you know that's a Difference in a career almost. And that's a difference in a whole extra contract. So so I could uh definitely see it being uh being Russell that, that they go with there. Um, but it's uh it, it's well, gonna be interesting to see where that goes. What were you gonna it's say? It's a
1: contract it's a contract here for Russell too. Yeah, yeah, both of them. Yeah. That yep. that's motivating, you know, I think more for Russell because of so many things that didn't go right with the Lakers. Um with Dinwiddie, I just Yes, he has a lot to prove, and yes, it is a contract here for him. But I think he's less likely looked at across the league as, okay, well, you're a de facto starter. He's more that, all right, we have this quality backup. With Russell, if he doesn't break out as that de facto starter, teams are going to start to wonder, like, okay, what do we have here? Like, are we going to be able to fit this guy in off the bench? We know the maturity issues were kind of out there previous. I don't know if those have improved. I I don't follow you know the off the court stuff with brooklyn as much but i think on the court russell's going to have a ton to prove this season not only to stay healthy but really really get a um, big contract
2: yeah i think this year for d'angelo russell is is this guy a long time starter you're locking into for the next four or five years or is he jordan clarkson who's a yeah decent player but he's a bench guy you know for the remainder of his career You know, and he's going to be a, you know, get you 10, 12 points off the bench. And if you need that, then maybe you pay him. If you don't need that, then you move on and go a different direction. I think that's, you know, really where it's, it's weird that we're already here, but I think that's where we're at with him. is this is, you know, this is probably for anybody on this Nets roster. This is the he This is probably the biggest year for him, you know, so that's going to be a really, you know, Interesting to watch how he plays this out and figures out what his career is going to be. All right, let's get into the picks, the draft picks. We we mentioned them briefly. They drafted John on Musa in the first round of Rodian's Kirks in the second round. So let's start out with, with Musa. How much do you know about John and Musa, P? you think you can uh, give a little breakdown of his game?
1: Yeah, I actually know both um, pretty well. So I'll start, <clears throat> obviously, first with um, Musa. Now I will say this disclaimer: neither one played uh, summer league. So, with that said, you yeah. Know, hold on, only but going... before
2: we get into that, part of the reason why neither one of them there there's a couple of things, and we'll also talk about this with Luka Doncic when we get into that one is a couple of things. Is one these European seasons go pretty late? Um, Mm -hmm. So these guys were all wrapped up in that There's also a process where Even though you drafted this guy and you're signing him You need to wait for FIBA to clear them And a lot of these guys didn't get their clearance letters until late So the teams tend to combination of long season not wanting to push the guys and then the fact that you don't have the clearance anyway which is what really matters that's why sometimes you don't see these overseas guys in summer league so sorry to cut you off pete i just wanted to clarify that for everybody
1: no no worries it's always good to clue everybody in because they probably just thought well, well they weren't good enough to play so yeah. that's good to, <laughs> god i good hope to not throw that out there. <laughs> yeah exactly if you're not good I'm, enough
2: to play pete that's I'm, that means you're playing on the playground with me and you Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I hope not just based on,
1: (laughs) you know, based on everything, kind of the hype surrounding both of these guys. But, um, with Musa, I think he's, uh, more of the scorer of the two, um, can get buckets pretty much all over the floor. Now he's not the greatest playmaker, but I would put him just slightly above average. Um, can, you know, handle the ball if needed to, but not something that's an elite skill, um, because he does not possess that much athleticism. Um, But I think he's able to create for himself and for others, and that's a plus. You always need that. But what is going to happen with the shot selection? Because he didn't have the greatest um, shot selection overseas, and then any rookie, especially an international rookie, is going to struggle defensively. So you know, have to has to improve there. But I think eventually he can develop. You know, kind of as a complementary scorer. Um, could even maybe sneak into a starter role later, you know, three, four years down the road, but at least be a complimentary scorer off the bench. And then uh, going into curious uh, let, Let's stick, stick oh, on yeah.
2: on Musa for a minute. A um, couple things is just to, to give the particulars. He's only 19, uh, so he doesn't even turn 20 until – the until may of next year so uh so we're you know looking at a kid probably by the time the next season is over is when he's going to be 20 years old so still a lot of you know growth there six foot nine played kind of as a more of a two guard i would say overseas if you want to compare i don't think he's going to be that in the nba i don't think he has the the speed to keep up with um the to chase little guards around so he's probably going to be more of a of a Small forward type reminds me a little bit of, um, of uh, kind of a combo of both uh Boyan and Bogdan, um, as far as kind of some of the things he can do is get, a, get, get that good size that Boyan has. But I think what Boyan Bogdanovich has really become and developed into is he's really good about getting to his spots on the floor. Can really handle the ball enough to get to where he needs to be to get in a scoring range. And I think that's what's going to come with Musa. I think he's going to figure that out. Uh, so I think, think that'll be you know, good to see. He's going to have to adjust to the NBA line because he really did. He struggled this year shooting the ball. Um, previous years, he had been better. Uh, so that'll be, you know, something to watch with him. And you mentioned he's not, he's an okay passer is all, you know, almost all European players are is they're usually pretty good ball movers, but he's not, he's not great at, he's not a great rebounder, not a great defender. So, you know, this is a guy, he's definitely going to take some time, but I think the good thing is the nets have gotten to the point where they've built up enough wing depth that they can give him a couple years to really figure this stuff out. All right, let's go on uh Rodian's quirks.
1: Um <clears throat> with Kurix he's athletic, uh, kind of versatile across the floor, can kind of do a little bit of everything um, both ends of the floor. But I don't know as far as his shooting um, how well that's going to translate um, across. And then he is a good shot blocker on defense, but he takes a lot of gambles as well. So I don't know. You know, will the discipline be able to, to come as a defender? Um, he's six nine, about two twenty. Um, believe... Yeah, so he's
2: different from Musa, where Musa is six and very thin, um, and is much more of a guard um, sized type of player. Player Kurix um, is more of a he's more of a true three four um, build, is what he has.
1: And I actually, even though he's listed kind of as the three four now, I think he actually projects best as a stretch four role. I agree. Um, and I think his mentality—he already came out and kind of called out Kristaps uh, Porzingis a little bit and <laughs> said he was going to bust his butt. Yeah. So, and, I and, like and to this... be fair, they're
2: they're they're <laughs> countrymen. They're both Latvian, right? <laughs> so, so
1: I, I like the I like the you know competitiveness, the little bit of swagger there. Um, with with Keurig's, I just don't know. He didn't play a ton in the Spanish AECB league, yeah. Um, and then he had the injuries because I believe he declared last year um, as well yeah, for the draft, and right. then went back in. Yeah,
2: he did. Yeah, he declared and then withdrew. Yep.
1: Um, so I, I'm curious to see kind of where he fits in, um, you know, playing time wise and, and things like that. But over time, I think he can he can if he can knock down a three, the de- defense is going to be there. Just you know has to be able to to key in on that three-point shot
2: yeah you know he really kind of came on the scene for for people way back in 2014 at the under 16 uh, euro championships he um, playing for Latvia there he averaged 13 and a half points per game about six rebounds blocked over a shot a game uh, really did did quite well as a you know, more of an inside player than, uh, than, than as a shooter. Cause when he stepped out and shot, he shot very poorly um, there, but he, well, a couple of things I think that are good. If you're looking for those indicators of what can he be as a shooter, he's a pretty good free throw shooter. He's, you know, hovered right around 80% for most of his time over, over in Europe. Um, you know, but it's, yeah, the last two years, 51 total games played for Barcelona combined which is you know that's kind of tough you know you're you're really you're not necessarily getting a lot there and not all and he only played six games in the A C B league so that's you know kind of hard and then his Euroleague experience was really more garbage time than anything so this is but but this is a second round pick you know so it's not the end of the year, end of the world if he doesn't pan out really you're if you're the Nats you you invested here and you're hoping. Yo, know, you you hit on something with this guy but and i'm with you pete i think he's much more of a of gonna be a stretch four than he is but he's gonna have to shoot it better to be able to 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 do that because he's right now he's right around a 30-ish percent or so three-point shooter and that's just not going to be good enough to you know to get by in that role in the nba so you know but it's late first round picks i mean in in a mid second rounder these are you know these are this is what you're hoping for, right? You're investing in these guys and hoping your overseas scouts are, you know, steering in the right direction. You can figure it out. So, all right, let's move on. The guy, we at least I think is going to be really good, Jared Allen. So the question I want to ask here is: Is Jared Allen a long-term starting center in the NBA?
1: Absolutely. He's already shown flashes last year um, of the hustle, rebounding. Um, you know, can get back. You know, baskets underneath the rim. Now he didn't shoot the three a ton last year. Um, I think only fifteen attempts total, but I think that you know the thirty, the five out of fifteen makes you know for thirty three percent. I think if he can develop that a little bit more, that gives a different dynamic to his game across the board. Because obviously getting the blocks, the rebounds, you know, easy baskets underneath. You couple that with a three point shot. I mean, you know, he's one of the steals in the NBA at the center spot, and you know, it's going to do nothing but propel the the Nets forward. And right now, really only behind him is, is Ed Davis. And Ed Davis is not that kind of player to me that's really a starter. He's more of a bench energy guy. So this is, you know, really a, a key year for Allen to develop that three-point shot, develop those other skills, um, timing on defense. And, you know, worst-case scenario um, – You know, he learns from uh, Jared Dudley um, in a mentorship role there, and then he learns from Ed Davis. I mean, he takes another year to leap forward, but I think this is going to be the year he takes a, a, a big leap.
2: Yeah, so you, you kind of mentioned a couple of his, his kind of stats there. 72 games as a rookie, started 31 of them. I believe almost all of those were in the second half of the season after they moved on from some guys. And then eight, eight points per game, You know, a little over a block per game, about six rebounds You know, in 20 minutes. Those are pretty good numbers. His free throw shooting, pretty good, 77% on a decent amount of attempts 147 so not a ton but you know enough where you can start to say okay that's probably real and then shot 59 percent from the field overall which is really good and then you mentioned the 15 three-point attempts i think that's something just seeing the nets track record over the last few years i think they'll start to add to his range as it goes he did a little bit of that at summer league where you could see him uh stepping out and shooting uh jump shots a little bit more so you know thought he looked uh you know pretty good there as well um you know he's obviously one of the more dominant uh scorers um at summer league you know inside and only played in two games because it's again this was one of those we've seen enough to get him out of here uh things so i i like a lot of jared allen's game again he's only 22 or 20 20 also (laughs) i guess um you know so yeah 20 year old he is uh doesn't even turn 21 until towards the end of the season at the end of April. So I, I really like this kid. I think he's got a good opportunity. And, you know, when you mentioned with Davis too, Davis isn't the kind of guy who's going to push to start either, or the Nets wouldn't have signed him. You know, they're exactly. not going to, they, they want somebody who's going to work with this kid behind him and can get him ready to go. So I really like that one for the Nets. All right, let's move on. Another youngster that I know they liked their first round pick from the year before, Alan, Karis Levert. Uh, You know, rookie season was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, up and down as he was recovering from coming back from being hurt uh, late in his senior year in college. And then came in and now he's, you know, going into his third year now after having a pretty uh, good second season. So what do you think about Karis LaVert and specifically, what do you think his best role is? Because the Nets have kind of played him all over the board from one through three at this point.
1: Yeah, I think they played him more as a three last season. I think he complements best next to D'Angelo Russell um, because where Russell is kind of looks to facilitate, Karis LeVert looks to drive and score at the rim. Um, With LeVert, though, the thing that I question is uh, the three-point shot. Is he going to be able to make that consistently? Can he stay healthy enough to work on that on the court? Um, Now, as much as I like Alan Crabb as – you know, the starting shooting guard. Eventually, what I think will happen is Crab will move up to the three. They move to Mario Carroll, and then Lavert slots in at the two. And I think overall, that's where Lavert fits best as a secondary ball handler next to um, Russell. If one of them, you know, wants to take on more of the scoring role, the other one can be, you know, the facilitator and vice versa. So I think they complement each other well. Um, So across the board, Levert, I'm high on. I think he's one of the pieces you uh, stick with moving forward. Right now, he's um, 23, turns 24 in a couple weeks. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the upside in Levert.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, I've had a lot of Nets fans be like, no, he was like our backup point guard. But he, he really wasn't. You know, we talk about this all the time position in the nba is who you defend first of all so you know he doesn't really ever defend the opposing point guards but he's more of a you know just a high volume wing as far as touches and doing a lot of things the average four, a little over four assists last year 12 points per game uh Really improved his three-point shot quite a bit. He's all the way up to almost thirty-five percent. His free throw shootings hovers right around the you know low seventies there. So I think this guy is you know got the opportunity to be a really good player. He's got to improve defensively. That's you know the thing he's he's missing right now. I just you know and I'm not entirely sure you know what he'll ultimately be defensively there. But but the Nets have other guys who can handle that you know you got Allen anchoring the back line Rondé Hollis Jefferson that's what he does right he's a defender so you know I think you're in pretty good shape with some of those guys you know behind you so I think it'll be be interesting to see where he goes from here I don't expect him to start just because of the other guys around him but I do think he's going to play a lot I think he's probably going to be you know uh, the other guy probably in that 20 to 25 minute a game range you know coming off the bench maybe occasionally slides in and starts At- atkinson likes to play with his lineups a little bit and change things up so i think you know you definitely have the opportunity to see him play a little bit more so I, I'm, I'm with you though i'm really high on Karis Levert. i think he's you know going to be a really good player for for you know a long time I think he's the kind of guy i don't i don't know that you're ever starting him but i think on a good team he's in your eight nine man rotation
1: yep absolutely
2: all right let's get into the next question here as we continue along on our brooklyn nets offseason review so this one is kind of this is the age-old question when you're a a rebuilding team should they have gone the route and brought in some of these vets that they brought in guys like davis and dudley and napier um or would you have continued to just keep going through and trying to find find kids well what's the what's the route the nets should have gone this summer
1: I like the vet move, and I like the vets that they picked Dudley um and Davis specifically, because you know coaches can only go so far as far as helping guys develop. You need that voice off the court when it's two a m in the morning and you need somebody in there in your ear saying, Hey, you know, young fella, you need to be practicing or hey, let's work on some shots, or hey, you might have had a bad game. Let's put some shots up or you know work on different things or even and that's uh, where you're it's, gonna have it's
2: time to get to bed here. Yeah, we get shamed in the the morning or
1: whatever. Yep, exactly, and that's the kind of thing you need. And with Dudley and Davis, they're not going to be guys that yap about about tons of playing time, but when they do get playing time, they give it their all. And that right there, especially Dudley, kind of being more to the back—not the end of the bench, but the back of the bench—kind of guy um, coming in, being able to hustle, show you how to work the right way. um, That's really going to go a long way with with some of the young guys
2: yeah i'm with you with that too i think just when you look at where the east is and where the nets are i don't think they were going to be so bad that it was like just you know continue to go completely young because you're going to get the you know be in the mix for the top you know one uh three picks i think it was more of a i think they're closer to being a bottom end playoff team than they are being a top of the lottery team so i think it Yo, know, makes sense to say, you know, hey, let's maybe try to push this thing forward a little here, get in some guys who can play and do some things. So, so I'm with you on that one, Pete. I, I like the guys that they, they brought in and, and that. So that is, you know, leads into our next question is, is this the year for, for a playoff push for the Nets?
1: I think they have to push forward. This has to be the year they get some development. They had 28 games one last season. I think that's all all fine and great, but they have to be, you know, in the, in the 32- and up range um i think that you're going to have a couple teams fight for um that you know eight nine ten you know range um out there and i think brooklyn can really be that team i don't think that they have enough to make the playoffs this year because i I have a couple teams stronger than them but they're not going to be the laughing socks of the east where they get blown out it's going to be very competitive night in night out and if if guys aren't showing what they're supposed to like say russell Decides to, to not show some things. You've got Dinwiddie there to take over his spot. You've got, you know, Crab and, and Lavert on the wings. You've got veterans like we just talked about, um, and, and Davis and, and Dudley to kind of help the team out as well. So, you know, put together you know one through 15 this is this is a very good team compared to you know past years where it was more about youth and, and just development
2: yeah and that's that's where i am too i think it is time to get this thing going in in that direction where winning is what's important and you're trying to do that and i know a lot of people are like but but we finally have our pick back don't we want to be be bad well maybe that ends up the outcome maybe they aren't a very good team and that you know certainly could happen it wouldn't be a complete stunner if that's the way it went uh But I think that's their team that you look at it once you hit the trade deadline. All right, if things aren't really going your way, then that's maybe when you start seeing, you know, maybe somebody says, hey, you know, we could use an Ed Davis or we could use a, uh, you know, Damari Carroll or something like that. And that's where the Nets start to move on from some of those pieces and say, this is where we are. But, But I would expect them to be kind of in the mix, you know, almost the whole way. Here figuring this thing out as you get into it, because it's you know, that's that's seems to be where we're positioning. So so once again, we'll close it with the question we always close it with in these off season reviews. If you go back to a year from now, or a year a year ago, I should say, are the nets up, down, or neutral from where they were a year ago?
1: Hmm. And see, so this is one I had to think about because the natural reaction for me is to say up mm-hmm. but then when i look at all 30 teams on paper i can't do these podcasts and say <laughs> every team up, is up because know. somebody has to be somebody has to be neutral I'm somebody has to be bone down. <laughs> i have to say neutral just because i want to see another year of development from russell i want to see lavert you know step up where alan crabb you know he, he got paid so where he's going to really fit in can he take over the reins as a you know full-time starter Does Jared Allen really develop into you know a solid center for them, or you know potentially star center for them moving forward? What do they do with the guys that have to fit limited roles, so to speak, or situational roles in in Graham and Harris, you know, in Dinwiddie or in Napier, and then what do you do with Dinwiddie as the as the you know backup point guard? So all those question marks, I'm going to put them as neutral until until they really can break out
2: yeah that's where i am too my my natural inclination was it was to go up and then when i really gave a time and thought about it i said you know yeah it probably is more more neutral for these guys because i think they are you know in that spot where they have really you know they're they're good but they're not you know how good are they that's the the question is you know is are they you know good enough to to you know be a playoff team yeah maybe but it's but there is also the idea of maybe they're just only marginally better um, with that. But I think, I think this is going to be a better team. I think they're, I think long range they're they're definitely up, you know, that's where they're headed to be. You're a really good team. And it's, you know, and it's, as someone who covers the Celtics and they've been so linked, these two teams for, you know, what felt like forever it was really, you know, about the last five years or so It it's really, I watched the Nets and I really started to enjoy watching the Nets a lot to, you know, to see their kids and watch what they're growing into too. I think it's a lot of fun, Yo, know, the way they've done this. I give Sean Marks, Trajan Langdon, Kenny Atkinson, and their staffs the utmost credit because they rebuilt without anything to rebuild with. And that's a, you know, and that's a pretty cool thing. And I think they've, you know, got some interesting pieces that I think will be part of the Nets you know, next playoff team. You know, here is, you know, these guys who can, they, they can play. They're, they're not sitting there without any talent at all. And they really could have kind of, Kind of, you know, sat there and went the retread route and brought in all these guys until we got to this point. But I think all that would have done was kept them on the fringes of the playoffs without any good young talent, you know coming in and now you're you're know, really starting the rebuild all over again so i like what they did as far as you know moving guys along and figuring things out and giving what they could for their you know decent veterans and doing that so it's it's been really good to watch this nets team team grow so all right pete that's going to close it out on the nets um unless you've got anything else really pressing otherwise let everybody know where they can find you on twitter
1: uh you can find me at pete toe mba so it's p-e-t-e T O A L I'm looking forward to kind of conversing with everyone on all 30 teams and and whatever you guys want to talk about. Um, you know always open for discussion
2: yeah and you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA I am uh, pretty active on there breaking down all this stuff talking all things rosters and, and growth and how we're figuring all this stuff out so you'll know, find us there I'm going to continue to try to do at least uh, once if not twice a week as we approach training camps uh, Twitter Q&A's I have a lot of fun with those people ask some really you know fun and good questions which are you know get us going and they make you think and you know, you're able to really get, get prepared and ready for the NBA season, we'll continue on with our off-season reviews. Next up is the Charlotte Hornets team, who is, uh, you know, kind of. They're doing what they can to get back in there and be a relevant playoff team. They'll be next up for us as as we go along. So we've so far, just to make sure we're all on the same page, we've completed Atlanta, Chicago, Boston, and Brooklyn. And Charlotte is next up. I know Chicago's not in order there. We had to step out of order just so our buddy Khan could be on the show with us because he is our resident Bulls fan um with that so i want to make sure he was there so so we're going to keep coming at you with these off-season reviews if you're enjoying the show we don't ask much but tell a friend and head over to itunes and give us a five-star rating and review if you're not enjoying the show let us know why um you know i will tell you i know my mic quality has not been very good but that's because i realized my mic was off and i was using uh the computer mic for some reason so i apologize for that hopefully this one is a little bit better quality for you and sounds a little better so let me know um with that but if you don't you know like what we have to say or anything like that you know let us know because we want this to be be your show that you go to to break down you know the really in-depth transactions around the league and we will continue to do that as we go team by team through the off season more to come here but for today this has been the nba front office show we are part of the Almighty work and we will talk to you next time. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Uh, it's on the dock.
0: There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at progressive.com Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with progressive. Hey, another way to save money, don't buy those uh, expensive coffees
3: every morning, you know. And
0: then you can save up
3: for, a I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying, it's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult
0: could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.